Okay, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is Tom Suter. I'm the founder of the Advanced Technology Academic Research Center. And thank you for joining us today for our ATARC's Thursday after lunch webinar series. And we are going to talk about TIC 3.0, the Road to Zero Trust. Um, we're going to hear some uh, great federal IT leaders and uh, really excited about this, kind of bringing in two concepts together. It's the first time we've done this. And uh, welcome all the attendees. Special thanks to Dean Kiefer and Kim Middleman and the rest of the Trend Micro team. Um, they've always been a good partner of ours uh, since we started working with them, I think last year, uh, maybe the year before that. Uh, so anyway, we're gonna hear from our panelists today. We're gonna have some Q&A. We're gonna pop a poll question or two and then answer any questions. And uh, I, like I said before, we've done a lot of our, we've done a lot of these uh, webinars and talks and working groups on TIC 3.0 and zero trust. I think this is the first time we're trying to bring them together. It's kind of like, you know, what they would say in the ads about Reese's, Reese's peanut butter cup. It's bringing in the peanut butter and the chocolate together. So hopefully we'll have a spirited discussion today and uh, we look forward to hearing from everybody. So if all my panelists can come on live and make sure that their mics are on, I'll do some quick introductions. Great, we're all popping on, right on time. Uh, fantastic, fantastic. So we'll do some quick introductions and then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kick things off. But I, the first, first I'd like to introduce Sean Connolly, who's the TIC Program Manager at, over at CISA. How are you doing today, Sean? Hey, Tom. Good to be here, thank you. Yeah, and uh, I saw some, some of the books changed around a little bit since the last <laughs> time. No, I'm just kidding, I don't know. But uh, you seem to be a history buff, I've noticed that. It's funny what you, what, during this pandemic, what you, what you learn about people. Yeah, yeah, it's a little little window into what they're doing, right? Outside yep. IT or something, sure. Yep, thank you for that and for coming. And then uh, we also have Sarah Mosley, strategic architect, uh, U.S. Department of State, who in yeah. her prior role was a TIC program manager. So we're lo we're lucky to get Sarah today. How are you doing? Great, great. Yeah, two for one deal today, right? Yep, yep. You look like locked in some kind of sci-fi movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like my background. <laughs> great, great. And uh, are you working out of the office, home office today? Absolutely. F fantastic. Uh, next, we have Travinia Salzman, who's security architect over at SBA, Small Business Administration. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Good, good, good. Have you been back to the office yet? No. No, nope. yeah. <laughs> it'll probably be there. a minute. Yeah, yeah, it'll probably I, be a while. Yep, yep. We'll, we'll we'll get there at some point, at least part of the time, right? I guess right. that's what we're going to talk about a little bit. And uh, next up, we have Justin Morgan, a Solutions Architect, Office of Enterprise Technology Solutions, over at the US uh, GS. And and I I wish I was where you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I use this as inspiration because I've had a couple of beach trips canceled so far this year. So. Yeah, you, you don't look quite tan, rested, and ready. <laughs> and uh, Doing well, though. Thanks and happy to be here. Yeah. And uh, next we have John Hickey, who's actually, I think this is semi-recent, president of August Shell. And uh, John uh, is the president of August Shell. He, prior to transitioning in the private sector, John was widely known as a cyber development uh, executive at DISA, where he is responsible for delivering cyber capabilities to support the Department of Defense Information Network. Uh, good afternoon, John. Hey, afternoon, Tom. Great to be here. 
yeah. And are you out at, in uh, Colorado or? I, I am out in sunny Colorado right now, just close to the mountains, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a safe place to be for the most part. So. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, and last but certainly, certainly not least, uh, we have uh, Dean Kiefer, who's a federal civilian territory manager at Trend Micro. And is that actually the office? No, it is, but uh, I'm, in, I'm at the home office, but I'm trying to just uh, pretend I'm at the office today. Yeah, and uh, Dean's office is actually at Reston Town Center, which I've been to, so it's kind of nice there to go grab lunch. Uh, been there many, many, many times. Uh, okay, so what are we going to do next? Um, let's maybe start off with Sean, and uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Tick 3.0, definitely want to hear what, what, what you guys are cooking up for 2021 and what are our next steps. I know inside of ATARC, we've had this successful uh, Tick Demonstration Center, and I think I've got a meeting on Friday. What's our next steps now? Now that we've kind of demonstrated some of this, um, you know, we're looking at a zero trust architecture and it's it, it in all the elements that we're going to put into it. But I'm um, excited to hear what you, what's going on at CISA and how you all are looking at this problem. Sure, yeah. So let me uh, start out, like you mentioned, Tom, with the roadmap. Again, um, we're, all, we're all doing this, right? The strategic roadmap, what are we looking for now with the new year? And I think we're all in a rhythm with the telework surge and everything. Um, so the most immediate side from the tick perspective is uh, when we released that interim telework guidance in April, uh, we specifically sunset, wanted to sunset that at the end of this year. So uh, this month, we want to uh, release the draft copy uh, the remote user use case. That remote user use case will uh, build off of what we did with the telework guidance in April. So that's the most immediate thing and make everyone aware is that use case. And then like you said, in, in 2021, there's a number of items we want to tackle. Uh, through the OMB memo, we're still on the hook to release an infrastructure as a service, a SAS and a PaaS use case and email as a service. So we're still on the hook to release all those. And then also to, to, to what we're here to talk about, zero trust. Everyone wants to sort of leap forward to zero trust. We've got to look forward to see what we can do to start supporting the zero trust architecture also. Great, great. Thank you for that. And uh, maybe next we'll go with you, Sarah. I know you've got this mission all over the globe. It's, it's very challenging um, with people working from home, not just here in the DC and in the US, but around the world and then all your constituents. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, you know, we've been using a, a lot of the TIC 3.0 um, uh, guidance uh, as part of that launching pad to be able to not only um, gain more flexibility for our user base um, in terms of how they work and where they work, um, but also as a uh, bottom up and a top down approach to being able to um, start uh, implementing some of those zero trust concepts into actual environments, uh, you know, so we're, we're definitely heavily using the, the uh, telework guidance as well as the, um, the remote office one, uh, you know, those, both of those are kind of starting to get us into uh, the notion that, you know, moving away from the, the uh, physical perimeter and being able to really look at more um, the visibility from the telemetry perspective. Um, so those are all kind of little um, uh, steps forward into that zero trust uh, notion, but also uh, being able to look at it from a top down, the framework of zero trust, you know, because we 
have the technologies, you know, it's more about how do you put those pieces of the technologies in, along with the policy, you know, together uh, in order to actually enable uh, the concepts um, such as, you know, uh, basically uh, uh, starting with no trust. Uh, so those are kind of some of the, the, the strategies that we're moving forward with, but TIC 3.0 is definitely helping being able to do both uh, kind of more immediate uh, implementations as well as looking at the long-term approach. Great. Thank you for that. And uh, Trefinia, uh, you guys have been always like the old Mikey commercial. You gotta, you're going to have to check it out on YouTube or something, but you always take on these uh, federal policies and give it a shot anyway. So. <laughs> Where are you all with your, you know, I know you were involved with the CDM pilot and, and how are you approaching this, especially with, wow, you, all the pandemic things that you had to deal with, the PPP, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah. Um, well, our leadership is very forward thinking and they're always challenging us to, you know, what can we do better? And zero trust and take 3.0 are things that we're working on at the SBA. Uh, in fact, Sarah and I uh, help co-lead a one of the ATARC zero trust working groups and we're able to kind of look at it from a 30,000 feet perspective. So we're taking a look at all of those principles and actually that working group is helping us at the SBA be able to, you know, architect something that will be zero trust. Great. Great. Thank you for that. And uh, next, uh, Justin, I know you're heavily involved with EIS and, and different procurement vehicles. How, how, do, how do agencies buy them, buy TIC 3.0 and buy Zero Trust? And what are you seeing across government um, uh, that agencies are, are, are wanting? Yeah, we, we are hearing from agencies that they're definitely looking into TIC 3.0 type solutions and kind of what does that look like? And that comes back to the tools and services we have to try to, uh, I guess, create affordable solutions for them within our contract vehicles. And uh, one of the things we're doing right now is uh, modifying the EIS contract to add a managed security service, a tick service underneath of there. And the idea there is it's gonna heavy, heavily lean on the, the CISA guidance that's been released to date. And basically, give a place in the contract for service providers to be creative, to come up with the solutions and things that we need to move us forward. And um, yes, we're still keeping around some of the legacy services. Agencies are still ordering those, still asking for those in their solicitations. But we are seeing a lot of move toward uh, things like software-defined WAN, uh, asking for TIC3 solutions, at least, if not in the initial step, but the shortly after the transition step is what we're seeing. But I will say in the post-COVID, we're seeing a, a, a quicker run to that. You know, not so much a transition as is, and then look for modernization, but looking for modernization now. So we're rapidly talking with agencies and the providers to go ahead and modify our vehicles to accommodate. Um, one very good thing I wanted to add is that uh, you know, during the initial Q&A phase with the vendors, it was mentioned that, well, hey, some of the CISA guidance isn't quite final yet. Well, the, the, the important piece to us, which is the service provider overlay or the overlay handbook is now final. Mm -hmm. And um, providers should surely take a look at that. It builds off the interim telework guidance, the, the template that was offered at the end of that at April. Mm -hmm. And um, 
that is a, a very good thing to do. We know there's some vendors out there that are doing that and that can be reused against mm -hmm. multiple requirements. And uh, it's very helpful when uh, vendors are constructing tick three solutions. So thanks. Great, great. thank you. And uh, John, we'll go next with you. I, I know you worked on this very issue when you were over at DISA. And now you have that kind of perspective that you work across uh, DOD and civilian agencies. What, it, what are your, some of your observations? I think you're on there. There you go. Yeah, so I, I think the Tech 3.0 initiative kind of, you know, has allowed during this COVID to kind of think uh, uh, in, in a different way, right? So especially my experience in DOD and supporting DOD, you, you've seen a, a drastic change to uh, there is no perimeter um, and even mechanisms in place like JRSS, how can we leverage parts of that for where the data is and what's important that we're trying to protect. And then what do you want to offload? Even going back to how mobility works, what do you want to offload and just let ride the internet? But I, I, I again, I think DHS has done a great job with, with its partners who kind of look into how can you test? And what I like about it is I, I'm seeing a lot of paper tests before, uh, it, you know, there's a lot of marketing and other things that isn't really true where this environment lets you to look at, at the actual equipment and, and test against that equipment and give yourself options. So I think that's key. And I, I, I think COVID is definitely in, in DOD for sure. And even the intelligence community, many of the things we, we've seen during this pandemic, we've never seen any other time where places were shut down. So I think the need is, is now, and I think there are some civilian agencies like the IRS that already had to develop this. So how do we look to those uh, as we support them? And what are those key ingredients uh, of what I call an attack surface that has expanded and will be hybrid still for some time to come? Yeah. You know, DOD is always about, you know, I got to protect the perimeter. How many times, have, how many deck eons have we been saying that? So it's, it's a little more difficult when you're, you can't even barely define the perimeter. So great. And uh, I think we're gonna to try to leverage John to try to get some DOD into this conversation because they have the exact same problems as civilian folks. And I think that we can learn from, from each. So that'll be an ongoing ATARC uh, effort. And last, but certainly not least, we have Dean. And uh, Dean's been very nice since my Pittsburgh Steelers lost yesterday. And he's actually a Cleveland Browns fan. So I've had the, you know, and they won by a lot. And he hasn't actually rubbed it in yet. So I'm kind of, kind of impressed with him. I did indirectly through Alyssa, though. <laughs> she didn't know what you're talking about, probably. <laughs> yeah, but it would be great to get some perspectives from you because you, you deal with all the agencies as well as I know you're, you're really good about interfacing with your uh, commercial clients um, and, and the commercial offerings that you offer. So great Thanks. to hear your perspectives. Thanks, Tom. And one of, and one of the best things I, that I'm privileged to have is that the largest uh, threat intel organization in the world, our zero day initiative. And just to spend time with them, um, and they've been market leaders for 15 years, but uh, just to hear their perspective on what they're seeing across the globe, you know, not just in the, in the US or in North America, but across the globe as far as the attack vector uh, with this COVID, because the COVID threats across the world. And, um, and so as John said, you know, we've seen this mobility to, as, as agencies are transitioning, to 0365, um, as there's more, we're seeing more attack vectors uh, coming into the enterprise. 
And as, as agencies are going to the cloud, we're seeing different threat factories in the cloud. There's, there's different zones that the bad guys are trying to get to. So, so it's, a, it's been a you know, tough, I mean, it's hard to believe it's almost been a year since we've been in this lockdown. But uh, it, it's been a, it, it hasn't been, uh, you know, uh, from the cyber perspective, it's been a very busy year for us. Yep. No, thank you for that. And uh, yeah, please uh, ask questions. We'll kind of get to them. Uh, we already have one right now that I'll just get to. Has the team, and I don't know if that means the ATAR team or the CISA team, has the team pulled any zero trust use cases and diagrams? specifically restricted access? If so, where can we answer, access them? Um, Finney, do we have anything? What do, we, what, do we, what do we have is probably a better question. Yeah, and then cool. Sean, I don't know if you, if you wanna to add to that. Go ahead, Trefinia. Yeah, as far as zero trust. So right now we're breaking up into subgroups. So right now we're working on the networking piece. So we haven't gotten to identity just yet, um, but that's on, that'll be in January sometime. So if you want to join the group, uh, please let me know. <laughs> That's where I was getting at. Yeah. Hey. Uh, so, yeah. So uh, we will send that out. Let's, Alyssa, make sure that we send information about that out so people know how to get involved. And uh, Sean, did you have anything that maybe we can get some, any, any reference points that you can point to or, and maybe we'll, we'll put some up for you too. Sure. So we're, we're looking at how we want to engage zero trust. So when we talk about zero trust, especially yeah. TIC within CISA, you know, TIC is kind of the bootstrap program. So much, some of the much larger programs inside CISA, including CDM, NCPS. And so we are starting to work together with other teams and recognize, um, you know, how zero trust could impact the agencies and the security of their uh, environments, but also how that impacts our strategy and our mission, our uh, uh, requirement for situational awareness. So we're just starting that conversation mm -hmm. from our side. We don't have anything yet, but it, it really yeah. goes back to what we'll be working for with the agencies on the pods they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think I think what you, you brought up is a good question. It's really something I wanna ask everybody else. How does the federal government address both zero trust security and TIC 3.0? And maybe I'll start off with you, Sarah, if you can, you can answer that because I, I don't know for sure. I don't. I haven't seen anything consistent across government that I yeah. can. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, I agree. I mean, I think that there's uh, synergies there between mm -hmm. Tech 3 and 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 ZTA, and of course the work that uh, we're doing with the ZTA working group with uh, Trifania is uh, lending to that. Uh, but but um, there's the difference is basically TIC is the mandate. So we, we have mm -hmm. to work through the implementation and make sure we meet the mandate, right? Um, in terms of uh, zero trust, it's more a, an objective for most of us, right? So it's, it's a strategy, it's an objective, it's, you know, it's kind of the panacea. And in some cases, it's, it's become a marketing term, you know, mm -hmm. for all intents and purposes. And what we're, we're um, at least for us at State, you know, and, and I know we talked to Trini about this mm -hmm. as well, is um, we're trying to kind of d d uh, identify um, uh, basic uh, requirements that we see um, as far as what zero trust is. And I know Jerry's been out, you know, Jerry Karen, um, my boss has been out uh, quite a bit and, and kind of evangelizing zero trust. And so we, we believe that there are some tenant pillars of zero trust. And of course, mm -hmm. in this document helps with that. Um, but ultimately it's, it's really about how do you again, um, break it down into pieces where you can then 
move forward. And I think this is where Take 3.0 has been very helpful, is we've got some examples right now of implementation that have some of the um, uh, characteristics of zero trust. Now, we need to move closer to the data. So our focus is going to be how do we get closer to data and, and start now breaking down uh, specific data uh, requirements that we can now um, uh, adjust our architecture to meet those zero trust uh, mandates because we can't do it all, uh, you know, at the same time. It's just not going to happen, right? Uh, so I think that's kind of where our approach is, is what is our most critical data? Let's identify the most sensitive and start with those uh, applications that are related to that data and then uh, move towards, you know, the rest of the environment. Yeah. Anya, do you want to add, add something to that? Yeah, um, my recommendation would say would be to look at your current environment. Um, that's kind of what Sarah and I have done, uh, talking back and forth about what to do. Look at your current environment and see where you're doing zero trust now. And then from there, like she was saying, break it up into pieces. You know, look at your identity piece, your data piece, your network piece, your asset piece. And then finally, um, your policy and governance. And then TIC 3.0 really helps with that network piece. It really brings clarity as to what telemetry requirements you need for that visibility that can also help with that zero trust. Yep, yep. And John, uh, maybe you can add some uh, points. I know you're in constant contact with the Department of Defense, but even civilian agencies, what you've seen. Yeah, I, you know, I do agree. Zero trust is kind of a buzzword, much <laughs> like cloud was. So you, you can't get yep. fixated on that, but I, I think it goes to what what are those areas, and especially in this case, when you talk tech 3.0, what are those areas as a service that you can help the majority of the users on? Because I think everything's gonna look a little different, but those tenets are the same, right? There's, there's definitely the identity piece that was described. Uh, how do you leverage your current investments in, in that space, but how do you also uh, enable some of the pieces in the cloud that might not be as enabled as say PKI uh, as an example with some of the the pieces and and again that's that's the same in many of the civilian organizations as well as well as DHS so I, I think you have to break it down and and look at what you're doing today and and what you can do tomorrow and and again as I say I had many tools when I was in the department. Um, I, most of us would agree probably too many. So you have to make some hard decisions on what is the effectiveness of those tools uh, with the different capabilities. And I, and I would lastly say things like containerization, other things are great in the cloud, uh, but the security of all of that is, is still lagging behind, uh, but the push to to leverage those technologies is is greater today than it's ever been. So I, I think you've got to think through that and you have to have a plan, right? So. Well, we have, uh, we, we, we can address that a little bit. We have another webinar tomorrow on DevSecOps. So we can, we can address that there. Uh, sorry, I didn't, point, uh, go ahead, uh, Dean. Yeah. Um, so uh, John really impressed me with his, uh, I mean, JRSS, if we go back and remember the DOD days, where you guys really came together with a, you know, a, a, a cybersecurity stack, John, um, that was, you know, very successful in my opinion. 
And if you could share, because in, in, in a lot of cases, that was tick and that was zero trust, what you guys were doing. Yeah, and, and, and I would say, uh, you know, you always get some help from different um, groups that uh, kind of watch you and, and say what you're doing in that space. But I, I can say JRSS was the concept of a security stack that could be leveraged by the services, right, that, that would allow them to, you know, potentially manage things at base camps and stations a lot better, which is not much different than many of the agencies on the DHS side that have to manage a, a CONUS as well as sometimes much larger than CONUS uh, global environment. So I, I think there are some pieces there and, and you have to pick those technologies that are, are, are going to help you. In many cases, JRSS, uh, most folks would say it has a lot of different capabilities in it. If, if, if a lesson learned from me doing it all over again, I would simplify and pick uh, a, a group of technologies that give you the same bang without maybe uh, duplicating or um, having uh, like capability. So uh, shorten yeah. the stack, if you will. But I think the concept is you can, you can support a whole bunch of customers. In many cases, it's not only the services, it's the agencies that can't really support themselves and in, in, in much. And that's why you see in the department, the fourth estate initiatives, how can we provide a service? Much like what I, I think is being done here. So I'll stop talking. No, no problem. And Justin, I, I wish I could see some of these fair opportunities coming in. What, I, I'm interested to see how they specify zero trust and Tick 3.0, is that like one line or two lines? Uh, yeah. what are they, how, do, how does it come in? Is it all over the place? It's all over the place, but more so what I would say is we're seeing a heavy push and, you know, we've been promoting this idea of modernization in three main areas, you know, um, just to trying to get some of this stuff kick-started. Transition your traditional TDM circuits to Ethernet. Move from legacy voice to IP voice or UC as a service. And, um, and then look to basically get a better idea of your traffic patterns and your inventory. You know, what, what you have, where you're going, and how, you know, how that all fits together. Now, when you're going and architecting a new network to, you know, this new modern, modern stack, so to speak, or different traffic pattern, now would be the good time to look at the TIC 3.0 or the Zero Trust or whatever, because you're looking at your environment holistically. So, try to lay some of that out in your solicitations and your, and your ask. I mean, we have statement of objectives templates as well. If you don't quite know what you want, uh, we have one for TIC 3.0 and uh, we're willing to share that. We also have it for software to find WAN and um, other ones too. And, and it gives the, the providers an opportunity to give a different perspective that you may not be thinking versus just directly asking for something legacy or Anyway, that we're, we're trying to get out there and promote this idea of ask for, ask for better, ask for new, and, and we're willing to help with that in any way. Yeah, that, having those templates is a non-trivial savings of time. You, if you're an agency, you know, I know you guys do it in, for FedRAMP and, and all these other, other areas. Please try to take advantage of those. I would hate to have to write a proposal from scratch um, or yes, an opportunity for scratch. Uh, how about we do a poll real quick? Um, Alyssa, can we call up our first poll and then I'll just, I'll ask uh, some questions uh, on that. Go ahead, if you can put that up. Okay, this is for everybody out there and we've got a big crowd today. Uh, 
what phase is your agency uh, in for TIC 3.0? Uh, planning, implementing, or completed? Uh, would you consider Zero Trust a program, a concept, a theory? I'm not sure. So we have an honest crowd out there. If you don't know, don't, don't, don't worry about it. This is all anonymous. So we'll give that about another 10 seconds, maybe seven, three, I think we got enough. Okay, so everybody, please answer that. See what we have coming in. Planning. We've got an honest crowd out there. I think, I think that's, does anybody see anything too surprising here? I mean, a concept, I like that. I, I kind of thought that was uh, maybe not the best way to put it, but boy, people thought it was the best way to put it. Um, a program. A theory. Any any surprises there? Or is that what we expected? Maybe Sean? I'm looking at the, the zero trust one. So I think this goes back to even what Sarah was talking about, where zero trust is a journey a concept. So yeah. um, it's not a tool, you know, it's not it's not a service, it's not a particular product that you can implement, right? Zero trust is a change in philosophy across the whole organization, yeah. not the IT side of it. So certainly I think I can understand the concept as the, the right answer, or at least the answer I choose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, maybe, Sarah, where, where are you guys in your zero trust journey, you know, over at State? And I know, I know it's early. It's not like, oh, we completely implemented zero trust everywhere. I know that's not the answer. Where, where are you guys in this, um, in this journey? I think, uh, like I mentioned, uh, we're uh, more in terms of uh, there's some tactical things that we've done, mm -hmm. but from a um, actual like planning and and uh, looking at the strategic pieces, um, we're at the early stages. We're not any in any way, shape, or form um, in in a phase where I would say, yep, you know, we've got it. You know, we know how you know we're going to implement this. You know, holistically. Uh, but I can tell you that from a uh, tactical perspective, we're using a lot of the elements. Uh, some of the challenges that we're seeing is uh, integration, um, being yep. able to um, integrate different products and, you know, uh, being able to have, the, have it all seamless, especially trying to leverage um, our heterogeneous environment, right? You know, I mean, if you go with kind of one vendor, um, there it, it's it's more simplistic, but it doesn't meet all all of our our um, uh, possible use cases. Uh, so, it, for us, the integration piece is going to be the biggest. We feel the biggest challenge, and then the other aspect is really looking beyond the network. I mean, as 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 a network person, you know, as an IT person, you know, usually you're, you're looking at your networking stack for a lot of those protections and being able to really um, bring that awareness to um, those uh, folks that are providing those uh, types of security services that it, it really needs to move up the stack. It needs to be, you know, at the application level, at the user level, you have to understand how the user works. The user workflows are important. These are things that we're identifying as gaps where we need to make sure that um, there's a good understanding of that uh, the workflow piece and and because that lends itself now to understanding what the user needs in order to accomplish his, uh, their job so you're not preventing them by by implementing zero trust you're not preventing them from doing what they need to do so these are all kind of things that are, we're, we're starting to map out and it, it requires time to do and that's why I said the best way to really 
um, uh, look at, you know, uh, kind of a strategic approach is to do it in phases and really looking at what are those um, uh, sensitive data that you do need to protect? What's the highest priority for you? Start there and, and, and phase it in. And as you phase it in, I think we're going to see maturity in the market. We're going to see maturity in the solutions uh, and also in just, uh, uh, you know, having maybe more of a framework for zero trust that would um, have standards and, you know, some integration um, specifications. Sarah, I think you've described it actually perfectly. Anytime you get some kind of new technology, I mean, we see this in DevOps. It's like all these different tools. How do I get them to all work together and uh, make it work? And it sounds like to me that almost every IT conversation that you have, it's got to be what's our zero trust strategy? Because zero trust is is far more than the networks as you kind of put out put put forward there. And uh, Trefinia, um, I know you want to say something around this. And yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, where we are at the SBA, we're just breaking things down where we have broken it down into four phases. The first one being planning, the second one um, growth, the third one foundational, and then the fourth one is future. So we have it broken down into phases and we're in that first phase, which is, and we, we already have some, you know, some parts of zero trust already implemented into our infrastructure as do all agencies but it's just taking a look at everything from 30,000 feet, seeing how, you know, identity, data, network, asset, how are they all going to intertwine? How are they all going to work in a zero trust fashion? So that's where we're at at SBA. Okay, great. Does anybody else want to add anything to that? Tom, I think uh, both Trefini and, and, and Sarah had great points because we view it as a multi-layer approach. That's what I'm hearing from everybody on the panel here that it, it is a multi-layer approach. It's not a, a single silver bullet mm -hmm. um, as far as a, you know, a good response. And uh, it, it, that's, so that, that's good to hear that coming from the government also, because that's, that that's what we preach. And um, part of our goal is not only just work, you know, obviously a lot of people buy trend micro products, but working with technology partners, working with the SIs, but just, just to have a nice correlation of, you know, bringing the best solutions to you. And that's what the goal is here. And, and it, it is multi-layer as far as approach. Great, thank you. And uh, this question is to Justin. Any stats you can share about how many EIS solicitations are asking for TIC 3.0 or Zero Trust? What is the timing for EIS vendors to have TIC 3.0 capabilities added to their contracts? So for the, I guess the stats on Zero Trust or TIC 3, uh, not really capturing that right now. We're going to double back and take a look because um, many, many scope reviews have already occurred, but we're going to go back and take a look at that. But as far as the TIC3 services being added to EIS or the, the service, the, as I mentioned, the managed security service, um, the TIC service under managed security service, we, we have that um, in draft and are finalizing that for a final push out to the vendors. We've already sent it out, received comments, implemented comments, um, updated some things, and uh, are hopeful. We keep saying winter. I'm hoping it's sooner. <laughs> you know, so we're almost in winter now. But uh, j just so you know that yes, it's it's in the works. We're trying to get it done, and uh, it's going to be under managed security services. And the idea is it's the kind of area that's open for vendors to be creative. 
is, is what we like to say. <laughs> so, but yeah, Tom, did I touch on all the points there? Yeah. And um, I got a good question here, and I, I don't attribute anybody, it's, it's kind of our policy, but uh, any plans to integrate TIC 3.0 with CDM? Agency struggle with operation, operationalizing TIC data with their SE. IMs. Meanwhile, CDM offers a single interface for reporting and dashboarding. Integrating TIC with CDM would be a huge benefit. Um, I know you, you, you're you in the same office with those folks, uh, Sean, and uh, I know that you guys try to harmonize as much as possible. What For everybody else out there, how, how do you all work together in interface? Sure, yeah. So I could, uh, both of the large programs, right, NCPS and CDM, we continually just talked uh, amongst each of the teams uh, just to give an idea of the level of uh, um, effort between us. John Sims was, does a lot of the work with my team on the tech side. He was the first program manager for CDM. Uh, we have a couple of the CDM engineers that are embedded on the, in the tech program. Uh, same thing with the NCPS side. We're continually, you know, there's always been this kind of uh, this connection between tick and Einstein and there's been this, yeah. this, this decoupling of, of the two, but we still, um, we, we are closely aligned with each of these. So there's always going to be um, the desire to push us closer together. I think the way I understand uh, that particular question towards CDM, uh, there, there's, there's two answers. So in the TIC policy, in OMB's policy, there's this uh, push to eventually have a lot of the TIC capabilities be uh, monitored and automated. And that's the expectation of CDM tools to be able to start monitoring you know, how those how the, a container or a, a PEP, if you will, can be secured. And I think the expectation is CDM will be tools begin to monitor, uh, monitor that. Toward the dashboard, which I, if I could guess what they're talking about on that one, um, there's also efforts to, to align better the, 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 the dashboard part of CDM with some of the readout, the telemetry, if you will, that's coming from the, the tech program. But again, that's um, a work and effort right now. The TIC side, our major focus right now is on the architecture and getting these use cases out the door. That's what we're on the, I mentioned the hook for, but that's the first thing that we have to really get out there is have these architectures be, you know, the final copies so we can move forward yeah. some of the questions. Trevenia, you guys have done the TIC pilot. You've also done the CDM pilot. Mm -hmm. So how, how, how did those uh, efforts work together, if at all? Yeah, um, well, in the TIC guidebook, it talks about the telemetry requirements, and it does reference um, to align the telemetry to CDN and to NCPS. Um, so they do, they do tie together. So TIC 3.0, Zero Trust, CDM, all of these initiatives, they all really um, correlate to one another. And so at the SBA, we've been fortunate enough to work with DHS for that CDM pilot, and that really helped us move forward for TIC 3.0. It really set us at, at a good spot to be able to kind of go from there and then move into TIC 3.0. Yeah, fantastic. And Sarah, I know you can probably add some perspective. So, yes, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, just a, a little bit, you know, in terms of uh, some of the uh, capabilities in CDM, obviously, the, you know, kind of asset management is, is, is a um, uh, is a component of you know managing your 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 hardware software, and that's also very important to to ZTA. But also in terms of how CDM uh, generates or provides some of the monitoring that is 
um, not necessarily network, right? So it's your users, you know, in phase two, it's your um, events in phase three. Um, and then hopefully phase four, we're gonna have the data piece as well. Uh, but bringing those telemetries together um, helps actually um, less the, lessen the burden on the network side and being able to, uh, to actually now um, identify uh, where you know, your security um, needs are or where you need to actually have more visibility. And so we have, um, we, I, what we believe is that that telemetry that, you know, CDM can provide based on the users and based on the events can be correlated, especially for your cloud environments, can be correlated to uh, your um, a network as well. And then, you know, that will bring you uh, more of that awareness of the holistic piece that, you know, what is the user doing and what, you know, if the user is accessing certain um, files or certain data that maybe they shouldn't be. And this is, again, going back to the visibility piece of Zero Trust. Yeah. And Justin, uh, how is CDM related to, I hadn't thought about this in a while, but EIS, how do they, the CDM come up or uh, how does, how do they work together? Well, we have the requirements in the contract that they have to comply. Uh, CDM is actually on a totally different task order under GSA, but uh, that's, there's definitely ties, uh, all the yep. NCPS and CDM and you know, all the other regulatory federal requirements, all that are, are into the, the contract and yeah, they're, they're mentioned by name. Yep. And uh, Dean, how about if you want to contribute to this? Uh, as far as CDM, I, I see a very tight correlation to the whole thing because, you know, CDM was the first iteration of uh, better hygiene on, you know, on-premise. And, uh, and a lot of that hygiene is moving to the cloud. So, uh, you know, um, and, you know, Sarah made the point, uh, and Trafina did also, I, I keep on referring back to you guys, but uh, on, on the segmented approach, you know, I agree with that. It is the network, you know, but there are many other components other than the network that are important to the enterprise. And that's translated over to the cloud also, Tom, because yeah. that same infrastructure exists in the cloud. And there's a bigger, you know, there's a, a bigger attack vector um, the government's concerned with because it's the world that's, you know, has access as you deploy to the cloud. And uh, we've learned a lot, you know, through this whole Equinix and, and this TIC initiative, just yeah. seeing but uh, but that that's my perspective on the whole thing. It's you know it's it's a very close correlation between CDM and, and TIC 3.0 and zero trust and uh, and it's good to see this moving in this direction as far as uh, you know this discussion. John, you touched a little bit on the challenge of all these different tools and monitoring and and how do you how do you find the right balance to your programs that you had when you were at DISA. You want to add anything more to that? Yeah, I, I, I do believe it's some of those interfaces like uh, Sticks, Taxi, Yara, anything that can correlate in a, in a big data platform and some of those things that you would see from a, uh, other initiatives like CDM uh, getting after, right? And then providing those, and I think it was discussed here a little bit, some of those attributes at a centralized location that lets you make decisions on either devices or identity that are going to drive you in the future. And then I think it's, um, I, I think everybody would agree that automation, uh, you know, how do you do an automated response that doesn't require a human uh, is, is something that has to happen. The, it, it's, it's, it's such a complex environment. Um, so you need the analyst and the others to get after um, some of the sophisticated attacks, but you've got to get rid of some of the noise. So I think 
both these initiatives do that, right? Um, so um, look for those companies and those capabilities that support uh, uh, all that integration because uh, you want to stay away from some of them that uh, might be proprietary, not to speak to any cloud vendors, but they all like their own little flavor of things. And unfortunately, you're not going to be in one cloud, right? Um, so. Yeah, I think the lesson, that's one of the lessons we've learned. The questions are coming in fast and furious, and um, we definitely have a highly intelligent crowd, I have to say. Uh, for those of you implementing, what do you lead with? You, and I assume zero trust. Identity, endpoint, redefining network. You know, uh, zero trust is, is very complicated. There's lots of different aspects of, of people that don't always work to, you know, together in the same area. So I want to install zero trust in my agency. Where do I start? I'm going to put you on the spot, Trefinia. Yeah, great. Um, I would tell you to evaluate what you currently have. Let's look at your data, um, right? Because zero trust moves more towards your data as opposed to your uh, physical perimeter, I guess, um, in your data center. So let's look at your data. Where's the most sensitive data? Where's your least sensitive data? And then from there, let's tie into, um, let's look at your identity, who's accessing it. Let's look at how it's being transported. Let's look at network next. And then from there, we're gonna look at your asset, uh, you know, your actual device, your computer, your servers. And that's how I would uh, look at it. That's how I would move into installing zero trust. <laughs> Great, and uh, Sarah, you've talked about it a little bit, but. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I would say I, I give you a lower answer. It depends, right? Because it depends on who's really leading um, this effort. And for us, uh, you know, I would say um, we're starting with the network. Uh, you yeah. know, surprise, surprise. You know, we're you know we're looking at uh, more like the the, the whole uh, you know microsegmentation, NAC, you know, things like that, where mm -hmm. you're starting to you know segment and and um, uh, draw that trust boundary closer to the data. Um, we see that as kind of that first step, laying the groundwork or the foundation that then, you know, you can like take identity management and, and um, you know, your uh, kind of user endpoint device management and be able to integrate it all into now your kind of more uh, defined uh, mac micro level um, segments. Um, and that way then uh, you, you have uh, essentially a um, almost like a, a, a transition path because you're you're laying that foundation. So from our perspective, it's, it's really kind of starting with that network piece and, and, and defining your trust zones. Great. Uh, anybody else want to contribute to that? Can I jump in there? Yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say it makes sense that, you know, at the SBA, we would start with data and the State Department would start with networking because of what our agencies do. So to Sarah's point, it depends on your agency and what your mission is and what your initiatives are. I, th I think that's right. I think that's mm -hmm. right. And Sean, you want to add to that? Uh, I think to their points, like there's different components, if you will, the maturity of each one in the organization, like an agency has a pretty strong an energy management solution, maybe that's not the first step they have to look at. Well, if another organization isn't as strong in identity management, maybe they need to focus on that first. But um, it's more towards, for me, it's having all these different components ready at the same time to move to zero trust. And the one I'm always interested in is going back to that visibility. 
when you start uh, relying less on the network for some of your telemetry, you start relying more on the access controls and identity management. How does that change your incident uh, responders? You know, there was the, the, their playbooks and such. Um, the context of an identity management logs is going to be greatly different than the context of network logs. And how, so how does this new collection uh, differ? How does that challenge the incident responders in new ways? And also just the resiliency and such. I think there's a whole bunch of questions that need to be answered uh, outside just the, the, the different um, components like we talked about too. Until the agency has a clear understanding of those answers, uh, it may not be ready to move toward a total trust solution. Mm -hmm. Great, great. Um, another question came in, and I, I might actually lead with you, John, on that, because I know you spent a lot of time on it. How does the panel view the correlation of zero-day attacks on mobile devices? Let's broaden it out beyond zero-day. How, how, uh, how do we work with our mobile devices, which we use more and more and more and more, and they're truly the perimeter? Um, maybe we can start off with you, John. Yeah, I know you um, did a lot of work in that back yeah, in the day. It goes back to DOD mobility and BYOD and 2011 was brought up. So we're nine years in and I've yet to see a full implementation across the board. <laughs> I, I uh, uh, truly, uh, you know, I, I think you've, it, they've, they've discussed this. It is uh, about identity. I mean, we created a capability called purebred yeah. to leverage our PKI investment, uh, which went over well at the enterprise level, but then you have to work with all the vendors in that space to make sure you keep that enabled and some play better than others. So I, I think in this case, it, it's kind of opened it up. And I know in the department, there's, you know, now they call it BYOAD, um, but um, it's, it's still the same challenge. But I think it does go back to what was discussed here. What data are you going to give them yeah. access to uh, will that data be able to be stored on that mobile device? How you can control that um, in, at a true enterprise level with their own personal devices? We did it with GFE, as many agencies have done, right? And so I, I think uh, it goes back to you have to architect that. Uh, and you have to rely on, um, you know, capabilities like MDM and MAS uh, to, to look at that. And then you know, the department is struggling right now with what does that mean from and has always struggled with a spillage or other things as people mm -hmm. obviously leverage different email systems at different classifications. Same thing that DHS and others uh, face today. I don't personally, I, I think you have to plan it <laughs> and, uh, and then you have to accept risk. And then, the, as Sean said, the visibility of those assets is key. And, and I do believe you, it, it, it isn't, uh, it's not just zero days, right? It's, it's definitely yeah. uh, what, where is that data stored? And, and I think if you look at the cloud instance, it, it can help you. You know, we, we went the container route. We've done a lot of different things in that space. There's vendors in that space still. But if you look at the control of where the data is stored in the cloud and how you enable that access, I think there there's capability out there today that would allow you to support that, um, but it's it's still a little still a little tricky, and somebody has to accept that risk. So, yeah, it it is, and it's a great zero day uh, use case. I mean, it's a zero trust use case because you're you're out and you're literally out on the field beyond the perimeter. Uh, 
Sarah, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. I know that you guys do you have, I, I think your division handles the phones too. Um, uh, we don't, but we've got we a okay. very close um, relationship with the folks that do. And I, w the only thing I would, I would add is that, yeah, it is complex, but this is where we're actually seeing a lot of maturity in the market, right? And, and uh, even with like, especially with the cloud environments, right? So, you know, if you're using a cloud email provider, um, you know, there are levels of protections from BYOD to using a GFE um, and what your, um, what your risk tolerances can be defined to a granular level where, you know, if I'm using my personal phone or my personal laptop, um, what do I have access to? What can I download? What data can I have, you know, uh, read access versus, you know, being able to actually store? Um, there are, the technologies are there. You can do it. We're doing it, you know. So I feel like the, there is some maturity there. You just, you do have to though plan it and you do have to understand what your risk tolerance and your risk levels are uh, based on um, what type of uh, device that, you know, that you're, um, you're allowing access from. So, but it, it is definitely uh, a much more mature market than it was even, I would say, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think there's some good movement lately. Um, Vincent Sridipan is now a colleague of Sean's. He moved over from DHS Science and Technology mm -hmm. over to um, CISA. And they also have the, the CUSMO, the Cyber CUSMO, which we're, is going to really take off in 2020. They are part of the CDM program now. Mobility is part of the CDM program. So we've been working on mobility a long time. John knows that. It, it, you still can't, not too many places in the federal government, I can do my job, field data collection, uh, storing, uh, storing things on the, storing data on the device. You don't see it too much. And Dean, I'd be remiss if I asked you about mobility, because I know you guys service that spot, that space as well. You know, and, and Tom, mobility, what, when I think of it right now and in the landscape we're in, is O365, because there's been so much, you know, a lot of agencies have moved, or were in the process of moving, then when COVID hit, it was even more relevant. But the threat factor, you know, from what I hear from our zero day guys, it's very high. Uh, around that that mail, you know, phishing attack on on those mobile environment, you know, on that I, I call 365 a cloud slash mobile environment, and um, you know, so that's something that's uh, you know very relevant right now. And I'd love to hear you know uh, the perspective of you know Trafini and Sarah and Sean as far as their you know their position on you know 365 and how you know, how they feel about security around it. Um. Sean, anyway, we, you Sean, all want to add something? I mean, uh, yeah, I would, I would love to hear Sean's perspective. You know, if has, has DHS seen the the threat vector increase around three sixty five? I need to stay vendor agnostic here, respectfully, <laughs> so I really can't go too far down that road. But we we are working with agencies and pilots in O three O three sixty five. I'll say that much. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I feel like actually um, there's a lot of maturity. Again, in the past couple of years, there's been a lot of maturity in the visibility aspects and what uh, what uh, granular um, configurations you can have, whether it's O365 or other um, cloud email vendors. Um, again, not trying to be um, trying to be vendor agnostic, but I, I yeah. do feel like there's been a lot of maturity, and you do get um, the visibility uh, capabilities are, are starting to really get much better. In fact, in some cases, better than, you know, what you have maybe even on-prem. On okay. Boy, this, uh, we're getting a lot of great questions. I don't think we're going to be able to get them all today, unfortunately. Uh, how do you see the guidance of NIST SP 800-27 
playing in zero trust implementations within federal. Uh, Sean, can I? Yeah, you, so I, yeah. yeah, so I, okay, so two things. I assume he means 207, which is the zero trust architecture special pub. And just full disclosure on this is my canned answer. Um, you know, I'm one of the authors of the special pub, but next to uh, Scott, Stu and Oliver, I'm the Ringo star of the group. So they're the real rock stars of that special pub. Um, luckily, but to be fair, it's a lot of the CISA people are part of that special pub. Um, so we are starting to see a lot of interest toward uh, that special pub being used towards tick. Um, if you read the uh, uh, Zero Trust Special Pub, you'll see elements of tick and Sarah mentioned trust zones a little while ago, um, how, the, how the, the special publication mentions trust zones, how to use those trust zones. That's a term from the tick three perspective. Uh, ideally, when we start moving toward that tick uh, Zero Trust use case, we'll start to embed a lot of those uh, uh, special pub uh, components also, obviously the PEP, but also the policy decision point, PDP. And we'll start to embed some of those components from the NIST special pub into the TIC uh, zero trust use case also. Great, great. Uh, we're running out of time here. Uh, how would you, you know, if you're going to an agency, um, and we're, we're dealing with the small agencies, we're, we're trying to do an event with them, and, and they just, it's so hard for them. They have limited resources, but just even in, in a big agency, where do you, where do you get started? I, I'm really interested in, you know, uh, zero, you know, zero trust. Where, where would I even, what would you recommend we get started? Maybe I'll start off with you, Sarah. What was the first okay. thing you did when you walked in there? Uh, how about that? You haven't been there that long. Right, I haven't. So I think yeah. they, they started without me. Uh, they started the conversation without me, but I think that the conversation um, is it really, it, it goes back again to uh, the, the business need. I mean, if you look at, um, what, you know, the mandates, like if take 2.0, right? I mean, and um, going into the pandemic and trying to um, uh, address users' uh, requirements, remote users' requirements, and for us worldwide, right? I mean, staying yep. at home that is not, you know, wasn't limited just to the U.S., right? So for us, it's, it really came down to actual core business need. We started there. We started with what was immediate and what was tactical. And in some ways that kind of helped us propel into the conversation of, yeah. okay, now that we know that there's a way to do this, right? There's a way that we, you know, we don't have to look at it as a castle moat. Now, how do we now improve on it? How do we now get actually a strategy around it? Um, you know, now let's look at some other use cases and some other scenarios, you know, is, is our environment able to support it, right? Uh, holistically, right? Because we are doing it tactically, but holistically and strategically, where do we need to be in two years and five years? So that's, that's kind of where I think the conversation started is really with the business need. Yeah. I know you jumped on a moving train when you got over to SBA, Trefinia. Um, what would you recommend? Yeah, um, I would recommend reading, reading the Zero Trust publication, reading all of the tick guidebooks and the overlays, reaching out to vendors, getting plugged into ATARC, talking to the people that have been at your agency for longer than two years and just setting aside like 15 minutes and talking to them, hey, what did you guys do? Why is it this the way that that is? And just reaching out to as many people as possible and plugging in and figuring out what they're doing at other agencies. And then you can kind of figure out, okay, well, we yeah. can take bits and pieces from different places. Great, and Sean? 
Yeah, I think uh, both Feeney and Sarah hit the nail on the head. I think, um, you know, I keep going back to identity and just look at how we're starting to move toward identity. Yeah. We've heard before identity is the perimeter, identity is the new network. Um, that micro segmentation that we've talked about also, I think those are all key. I think um, Sarah talked a little about this before the business process is just the inventory of the assets and the data itself. Really, um, I think we're still, even from the CDM perspective, right? The old phase one, phase two of CDM, the first phase was inventory. And we're still looking at how to um, better inventory across government. So I think those are all key components moving forward. Mm -hmm. Great, great. And Justin, you want to add anything, especially on the resource side? Yeah, I was definitely going to go with the inventory. Know what you have, where it is, yeah. access yeah. to it, and for how long and from what device. And everyone's already kind of touched on that, but that's definitely the starting point for me. I've been in telecom for a long time. If you don't know what you have, that's the, the first thing you got to try to, and that's nobody the knows what their inventory is. That's the second thing. Uh, John, you've got a little bit of experience in this area, to say the least. No, I, I think they hit on it. And I, mm -hmm. All I would add is, and I would stomp my foot on who's kind of ahead of us and who's leading the charge and what can we learn from them, right? So, Great, great, great stuff. And Dean, you're going to close it up for us. I appreciate everybody's time today. I mean, thank you for, this is a you know, time we talked about this coming together and I thought did a great job today bringing that message home. Thanks. Well, it's easy with, with this panel. Great. Well, thank you all for uh, joining us today. And uh, thank you, that, that was a fun panel to do. And we've got an event, I believe tomorrow, uh, DevSecOps Journey, we referred to it a little bit. We got a great panel, went through all these things. As a matter of fact, I got my last prep call, I think in a, in a couple of minutes. So look forward to everybody joining that and we'll catch you the next time. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks everybody.